When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Conversations on Dance is proud to have Yumiko as a continued partner in 2021. Yumiko is a company inspired by beauty and standards. As a leader in the dancewear industry, they take great pride in their impact as a socially and environmentally conscious brand. And today we have big news. In honor of springtime's arrival, Yumiko is offering a special in-store discount to our New York City listeners. Show that you are subscribed to Conversations on Dance at checkout and receive a 10% discount on your in-store purchase. For store hours, visit yumiko.com and be sure to follow along on Instagram at Yumiko to participate in their weekly giveaways and to stay updated on all things 2021. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week, we are joined by Jessica Tong, Associate Artistic Director of Hubbard Street Dance Chicago. Jessica received her formal training at the Ballet School in Salt Lake City and University of Utah. Tong danced with Ballet Met in Columbus, Ohio, Elliot Feld's Ballet Tech in New York, and Hubbard Street II before dancing with Hubbard Street Dance Chicago for 11 years. Jessica was named one of Dance Magazine's top 25 to watch in 2009. After retiring from the stage, she went on to become rehearsal director at Hubbard Street before recently being promoted to associate artistic director. We talk with Jessica about her career, her work ethic, making the unexpected transition to being in the front of the studio, what Hubbard Street has been doing in this past year of COVID, and how she got involved in Final Bow for Yellow Faces' 10,000 Dreams Virtual Choreography Festival. More information is available at yellowface.org. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. It's our pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. Let's go ahead and just start where we start with all of our guests. Tell us a little bit about how you first got interested in dance. Oh, dance. I've been dancing since I was five years old. Mm -hmm. um, I have an older sister and an older brother, and both of them are musicians. And there's actually this really funny home video of like my sisters like practicing the violin or something. And then my mom 
like I show some interest and my sister's like, you know, and she's like wrangling my fingers to Uh like, you know, hold on to the violin or something like that. And so I don't know, I I like to blame it on that video. I don't know if that's really true, but I think that, you know, in the extracurriculars that you do as a child, um, I think I just wanted to be different and not Mm -hmm. play the scales you know, upstairs and downstairs and be surrounded by it. So I, I just got out of the house and I started dancing and, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. I started doing with like jazz and tap. Mm -hmm. I like to say that, um, you know, one of my favorite, um, like combos, is that a combo? What do they call it? Like a performance, whatever it is, um, (laughs) was like, you know, opposites attract like Paula Abdul very much, you know, like an, an icon as a kid. Uh I actually think that we, all three of us, I was looking up, I think that we are sort of on like parallel timeline. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. Yeah. Okay. If we could, are we going <laughs> to compare our timeline? <laughs> the pod? I was born in 87. There, oh, it's out there. It's out okay, there. Okay. So, so I'm a touch older than you. But I remember but- my, my older sister was all about opposites attract. I really remember that video making an impression. Mm-hmm. Right. And it had a cat, you know, like yeah. cats. You've got a cat um, right there. And the, yeah, my cat our, our is in the background. <laughs> the in the background. Um, so yeah, so that was my jam. And then started um, taking ballet as like a supplemental thing. Um, turns out really took to ballet and um then actually like, so I moved to Salt Lake city. I, I was born in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. I moved to Salt Lake city when I was 10 years old okay. and um, just sort of, there were like separate studios. Like I couldn't find one that offered everything. Right. And then sort of like after a couple of months, I just started taking ballet full time, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then 14, 15, you're like, do I, don't I, what do I do? And so mm-hmm. just, you just dedicate yourself to it and cross your fingers and right. So was that, that was the age where you kind of figured like, okay, I actually kind of want to push for a professional career before it was less, you know, you were enjoying it, but then that was the flip for you. Yeah, definitely. It was, I never, I honestly never really thought it was going to work out. I think. (laughs) Why why did you think that? That's interesting. I feel like a lot of children have like the opposite where they just like blindly are like, and here we go. And I do this now, but what, what, what made you think you know, maybe this is just sort of extracurricular and you were going to do something else. Um, I think that they're just, I'm, I'm a realist. I think that I, I heard so many just horror stories of just not being able, of just like it be, have taking so much sacrifice, right. having to work so hard and to not necessarily, you know, be able to not alone, like make a living, but even mm-hmm. just to, and, you know, be able to enjoy yourself and like be free of injuries and all of those things to just, you know, the actual realities of what it takes to be um, a dancer. Right. I think were just very daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like also, you know, my, I come from a Chinese family. Both of my parents were very much like, so very supportive, mm-hmm. but also like, um, what is your fallback plan just in case? So then you're always, you're just constantly having that in the back of your mind. Just like, I mean, I don't know if that's a Chinese family, just a Chinese family thing, of course, but it was definitely there and present um, growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think like, did you ever let those doubts get the best of you where you're like, okay, this is so hard there. Like I understand the challenges ahead of me, 
no, thank you. I'm going to go on this other route. I'm going to go to the backup plan I've discussed with my parents. No, because I never made a backup. (laughs) (laughs) So they requested a backup plan and it was never developed. I get it. That's yeah. Yeah, I feel like was that that was maybe more common during our era, too. I don't know. I feel like maybe maybe it was like we all got in on it together. Like, let's all, <laughs> you know, now I feel like it's more expected. Like even kids that are, have very clear paths, like they mm-hmm. still apply for colleges and they mm-hmm. get into them. And, you know, they have they have real backup plans, even the ones that are like sort of chosen ones at a school. Mm-hmm. Like I know that schools really they in a good way apply pressure now. But I think from, from our time, maybe it was more like mm, I'm just going to do <laughs> <laughs> Right. I think maybe if I had an actual concrete backup plan that I would have been like, okay, exit strategy, like where's my off ramp? Here it is. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have that. So, um, you know, I just kept on trucking. And I do think that there was like a, there was a very definitive turning point for me where um, like I sort of transitioned transition and this is like it's so funny to think about now because dance is dance and mm-hmm. um, I have very different views about um, ballet and you know contemporary dance than I did when I was younger right but um, you know in the idea of my career path I was dancing at Ballet Met I was an apprentice and I actually didn't um, get my contract my like a full-time contract right and so I moved to New York and um was kind of just like, I'll just try it out being like, you know, the big dance Mecca and see what happens. And then, so I was there for, you know, just within a few weeks, I got a job with Elliot Feld um, dancing for them. And I was like, this is great. I mean, it was a really hard job, Yeah. but I was like, this is wonderful. I have a job. I'm living in New York. And then um, the company folded when like after a year Mm -hmm. and I was dancing with them. And um, yeah, so that was like one of those turning points because I spent another year freelancing in New York and really trying on everything. Take, right. you know, you just say yes to everything. You're like, I don't know. I don't know right. what's happening. Sure, why not? And you learn, I mean, it's such an education. Um, but yeah, it was in those moments I was like, okay, this is, it's kind of do it or don't do it at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I want to rewind. Um, if you feel comfortable discussing it, but I, th- I think it's such a, actually a great thing to hear about, you know, these little trials that we have, you know, not getting your contract at a company is something that's super common. I mean, that happened to me as well. I was at Boston Valley and then, then you have your whole life after, you know, mm-hmm. and like, look, like now you are a leader at one of the most important dance companies in America. But back then, you know, you're, you know, that can be a hugely um, dif- difficult time for a, a kid so mm-hmm. um but did that what were you going through at that moment was that just like okay this is the catalyst and I moved to New York and I just keep going or did you struggle some with that um yeah I mean it was definitely a struggle yeah. I think that in this journey that we're on of like seeking our identity and our purpose mm-hmm. you are so uncertain all of the time and you know I something that I think about just being a dancer, even when you get into a company, you're constantly um, trying to prove to others and yourself that you are worthy of getting this part of being even in the piece of being in the first cast of the piece. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's, um, it's just (laughs) always present of this thing that's saying like, um, you know, you're not quite, you're not quite, okay, maybe this time you are, but but that doesn't mean the next time you will be. Um, and it keeps you humble. 
Yeah. But it also, um, it can be very, yeah, you get a lot of baggage. (laughs) (laughs) It can be pretty um, damaging. And I think that that is um, something that I, I try to also like instill within with artists that I come across and dancers in the company of just like, you know, you are, you are the only you, I know that sounds really cheesy, but it's like, you are the only you, you are unique and you need to lean into those things and not try to be something else and not try to compare yourself to others because really, honestly, that's what makes the difference. Right. Um, actually, I mean, within Hubbard street, I, I can say. Right. Oh, I love that. So how do you feel like I'm we're going to jump ahead just for a hair because you mentioned, you know, artists that you're coming across now. I think that sometimes leaders, especially when you're a dancer, you can think that people in leadership positions forgot what it was like to be a dancer and forgot these struggles that you're kind of talking about. So how did this particular time in your life kind of inform the way that you interact with artists now? I mean, being a freelance dancer, like knowing that feeling and how you're working so hard just to get a job to audition to find something new like how to how does that inform your interactions with dancers now Mm -hmm. I think that you know all of our interactions of throughout our history of our lives are going to inform who we are and how we interact with people um I hope I hope I haven't forgotten I mean that's I retired from um Hubbard Street as a dancer gosh, like um, four years ago now, almost four years ago. So I don't think it's been that long no, yeah, um, in the lifespan of, like, <laughs> of, yeah. of those like days and months where, you know, you're just feeling this, the, the heaviness and like, I'm not, it's not heavy. It's, there's so much joy. I'm yeah. making it sound like it's like so <laughs> terrible, but um, yeah, I, I think just like the pressures that you put on yourself, I think that those, you know, those layers are very deep within me. And I think that, um, we just need to tap into our empathetic sides and right. um, that's, and, and really just put yourself in other people's shoes. And, and I think that, yeah, when you are in the, like more um, on the staff side of things that definitely like, there are so many responsibilities and so many things that are coming at you and that it is hard to then reconnect with the artistic side of who you are and right. what these artists are going through. Um, but you just, yeah, it's just like also just taking yourself out of the equation sometimes and saying, and also saying like this, I have certain experiences and that's not necessarily going to be the same experience that you have even right. under the same similar circumstances. Right, right, right. So I think that you just, um, it's important for people in leadership positions to take every individual um, case and situation and artist perspective and really just try to see it from from where they're coming at it. Right. So let's go back then to uh, your time at Ballet Tech. Um, so, or sorry, not Ballet Tech. Felt, I met, yeah. Sorry, I, I taught, Ballet a, I taught I a Ballet Tech and it, so I just like, I'm like, oh, Elliot. Like I, I <laughs> got it. Um, <clears throat> so your time dancing with Elliot. Um, what was that like? Because you were at Ballet Met, which has a more traditional structure. You, you probably did a little you know, classical ditty in there somewhere. You probably did Nutcracker, you know, but um, Elliot's work, it can be rooted in classical dance, but he can also really go in a lot of different directions. So was this um, a big change for you as a dancer? Was and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I think that there was like, it was like this way that I was tapping into my 
in a way my dance lineage and like what really attracted me to being a dancer to begin with, which was to pull from these very, very different genres to create, um, you know, a unique Mm -hmm. thing in itself. And also coming from Elliot Feld, who is just such a unique individual and voice. And um, yeah, so I think that that, that was very natural for me. Um, you know, the first piece though that I did with Elliot was called Aurora 2. And I don't know, there's like Aurora 1, there's Aurora 2. And then there's actually something that he made on Juilliard later on that was Sir Isaac's Apples. But all of them have these like massive ramps. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but the ones that I had, it was like, there was like a ramp that was square to the audience and then two that are diagonal. Mm-hmm. And within you, so these lamp ramps are like sloping down towards the audience. And then you have to run up these ramps in order to then like do things on the way down. Oh and gosh. oh my gosh, it was mortifying. <laughs> I, we were wearing, actually, we were, it's kind of funny. We were wearing like these big, like white Reebok speakers. So you have like some traction, you know, and you're supposed okay. to like run up these ramps and you like arrive at the top and you do like a little arm flourish and then you like fall back and flip away and then you go to the top and I'll like there was this one moment that they called poltergeist where everyone is like on these ramps trying and we're just like a core of just like rocking back and forth mm-hmm. and your thighs are burning right you're so frightened that you're going to fall you know that <laughs> you're just gonna like slide down and like take someone down on your way <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> I mean I that's like quite um, an introduction yeah yeah I had never um yeah I think that in terms of stage experience of like um different scenic elements that was very very new to me and so I you know didn't hadn't experienced that before and so I think just the um yeah just the different abstract art that also is infused within um other works outside of outside of ballet was like eye-opening to me as well right yeah Oh my gosh. Stairs are like one of the worst things on stage, I feel. So I can't even imagine. And that's just like you, <laughs> just have, if you have to go up and down them like one time. Right. <laughs> Having all of that sounds oh whew, my gosh. giving me anxiety just thinking about it. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet PTSD for you, Rebecca? Yes, exactly. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> you didn't have, did, was there a situation? Did you ever? I don't no, know. no, there's never a situation. But of course I had to play it all out in my head and think like. But I'm you gonna... just had those long dresses. So you had like long dress going up a stair, down a yeah. stair. Oh. It'd be scary. It's so scary. Oh, that's right? so scary. Did you I have, have a superstition? Have a prob- oh, yeah. Sorry. No, oh, I just have yeah. a superstition that sometimes, like going down like long flights of stairs, that I like just make sure my teeth are still there to tell them <laughs> I appreciate. I appreciate you, teeth. That is so good. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I love that. You were appreciating those teeth a lot in that <laughs> ramp. <laughs> so, what was what was your year after? freelancing like um what kind of gigs were you picking up and what were you would trying to get into across the city oh my gosh I don't even know <laughs> I you know you show up at steps you're like I'm just going to see if anybody comes up to me if anybody needs dancers and um so I just take class there and um got a lot of different random opportunities that way um but yeah, it's 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 difficult. I I remember also auditioning for the Rockheads Christmas show as a dancer. Wow. Amazing. And I did I got cut. Um I got cut. <laughs> what was the audition like? It was it was interesting. I just yeah. remember I I feel like I didn't have the right attitude probably. Mm. I wasn't 
I wasn't fully dedicated. <laughs> well, you were so young. Probably, yeah, I think that people can, but you can see that when you're at the front of the room, like mm-hmm. no matter how good you are, if your heart's not in it, I mean, that's, right. that's very telling. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I can have bitterness about being cut from Grandelegro after Grandelegro. Right. But, um, but I think it, I don't know, maybe it was my dancing, but I think it was more my attitude. I bet right. about it. I bet they need like um, extra cheese for that. Just like, oh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ugh, what? Just, it was like, I think there was like a stabbing motion for like, a, for the jeté. And I was like, I don't know. If I'm doing this. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I just really took everything. I, I can't think of anything super specific. I was going to, I was going to ask if there was anything like, what was the most unusual thing you remember doing? Yeah. Cause there's some weird stuff we can get into. <laughs> it's all a blur. I do remember, um, performing at like New York theater. No dance for the new city. What's on Avenue a, or like around. Is that not New York theater ballet? Oh, it's, it might be New York theater. Ballet. Anyway, I remember, um, I did this like really long half hour work with, um, this French guy who was a, a mime artist. Ooh. Okay. But I wasn't miming. I was just dancing. Uh-huh. But he had a very interesting way of communicating. And um, he was very, I, I don't know if it was, there was a language barrier, but he, he just didn't really speak very much mm-hmm. when we were dancing. And, um, but he was very passionate. I do remember that. <laughs> I, it's really all a blur. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to delete you got well. You got to make space for all the ballets that you have to rehearse yeah, and stage. Yeah. So, yeah. so maybe that year went went out. <laughs> I was I was also like I was a hostess at a restaurant at like a sports bar on the Lower East Side. Um, so I had to do I had to do that to make money. I do remember that because that so was what was that what is, what was that experience like? I just it's hard it's hard <laughs> to be a hostess. Yeah, you know everyone thinks that like you're the one who's like holding their table hostage and you're right. like look, I'm trying to keep the flow of things, but if people are want to stay and hang out, I'm not going to kick them out. Right. Don't get mad at me. And no, and don't like, you know, get in people's space. Like the hostess stand is really a small area <laughs> and people get into your space and you're like, I just get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And that was pre COVID. So no mask. That was, that was like right. very close to your face. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like people close to me before all of this. <laughs> um, so when were you during this time where you're like, okay, I'm, this is what I'm going to be doing. Like I want to continue being a freelance dancer or were you thinking like, I got to find something different. Like I, this is not the end game for me. I think I knew I had to get something more stable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know for myself that I like more, I crave more consistency. I think I need more of a schedule. Um, just like, kind of like, you know, looking at a calendar and piecing things together and having like longer periods of downtime was, is not something that I, um, am very good with, I guess. Right. I, I don't really like thrive in that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's, that was for me. I was like, I need, I, sh- I want to get a job. And like, you know, also being in New York, I took as many student tickets as I could. Right. Don't, I know this isn't ill-advised, but definitely did like the sneak in, you know, <laughs> at like, <laughs> like five yeah. minutes to opening, like you just yeah. go into the standing room and you're like, I'm here, I'm just taking a peek. And yeah. so, you know, I tried to expose myself to as much um, different dance as possible. And 
so I, I very clearly remember seeing um, um, Batsheva do Deca dance when I was in New York. And that was like life altering for mm-hmm. me. Um, I had had my very first like contemporary dance experience um, actually in the very last program at Ballet Met. Um, mm-hmm. We did this piece that was called Heidi and it was, it was by, um, I, I didn't know, I, I didn't Google back then, but I don't even know if it was around, but there was a choreographer dancer. His name is Martino Mueller. And apparently I think that he was a dancer from Netherlands dance theater, mm-hmm. but all I knew was this piece, Heidi. And the whole, there was this opening women's section and the whole floor is covered in like this canvas. Mm-hmm. And on top of the canvas are like hundreds of thousands of packing peanuts. And the whole thing opens with this piece and we're all dancing and it's all just like, you're like blowing these packing peanuts around. You're like wringing them from your hands. And it just felt like, you know, it had to go like, ear, ear, like had like that squeaky sound mm-hmm. against your skin. And it was just like really magical. And I just remember being very, very at home with that, but I didn't have a, I didn't really know why, mm-hmm. right. but I loved it. And so that was my last, in the last rep program at Ballet Met, I moved to New York um, you know, did a dance with ballet tech, did a bunch of freelance stuff. And then I saw things like Decadance. Um, I saw Hubbard Street at the Joyce and I was just like, I think this is what I should, what I should try to do. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a goal of mine. I had, again, going back to, um, you know, uh, some, some turned down <laughs> moments. <laughs> I had auditioned for Hubbard Street to the second company, um twice in New York and didn't get the job I made it all all the way to the end didn't get a job right so yeah. um this amazing the amazing director of Hubbard Street 2 at the time this uh, person Julie Nakagawa she is incredible and she's an amazing mentor of mine to this day and I remember writing her like a handwritten letter just to say you know like can you keep me in the loop da, 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 da. and she would wrote me back and So I ended up coming to Chicago for a summer, just Mm -hmm. for a couple of months. She invited me to take classes, um, open with the Lou Conti Dance Studio, which we didn't, Hubbard Street did not have a summer intensive at the time. So I just took like the open classes that were offered Mm -hmm. and um, stayed for two months, kind of was like around, Uh really. I was like, hey, (laughs) hey. Um, And then I um, really was like, well, guess I'm going back home. It was like a week before I was supposed to come back home. And then Julie offered me a position with Hubbard Street 2 at the end of the summer. And I was like, ah! <laughs> I was like, yeah, your yes, business of course. paid off like that. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then it kind of just, um, you know, rolled out from there. I danced for the second company for two years and then danced for the main company for 11 years. Mm-hmm. So do you think that that time, you know, like those cold, those like uh, those auditions where you just show up and you have a number, it's like, it's just so hard to, how can you show any of yourself? But like mm-hmm. over time, you know, the director got to see you like more as more than just like a body and like, okay, what are your mm-hmm. technical capabilities? Like, obviously you're very smart and like that can't, it's hard to come across in like a single, like, you know, two-minute glance of you doing an mm-hmm. across-the-floor combination. So right. do you think that was like an advantage for you that you got to, over time, like get to show up more of who you are, not only as a dancer, but as a, as a worker, as a human? Yeah, I think that's an advantage for anyone. I think yeah. that that is a really great 
Um, I, to me, that's really great advice to give mm -hmm. any young dancer would be that relationships are not built in, you know, five minutes or an right. hour and a half class or something like that. Like mm -hmm. there is um, something to be said for that consistency, for people to build that trust and that honest rapport with one another. So that um, I think that that is so important. And that really, again, it goes back to like, maybe you're not like the most like gifted, most facilitated, you know, um, person in the room, but like, it's, it's more about who you are and who, like right. what your depth of character is mm -hmm. and like how that really informs the artist that you, um, that you are and that you can become. Right. I hope students uh, who are listening take note of that. Cause I, I think that's so true. And I tell some of my students when I teach that, like for, even for an audition there, you're not looking in, and maybe you can speak to this too, in your position that you have now that these people at the front of the room, aren't looking for the most perfect technique. Like you're saying, it's like a willingness to learn it, taking corrections, learning the combinations quickly. Like mm -hmm. all of those things is what makes you a good company member. Not necessarily mm -hmm. just like, Oh, look at this perfect quadruple pirouette yeah. or whatever, right. you yeah. know? Yeah. Both of you know, from being in a company, I mean, you're a family. And if there is someone that's like in the group that is not like meshing in that same way, yeah. it can, it's like, it only takes one person to make everything that much more uncomfortable and that much more right. um, kind of just like blocked within a creative space. So I think that that is, that's like number one is mm -hmm. to, you know, how do you, how do you get along with other people? How do you collaborate? Um, and how open are you? Mm -hmm. It's actually a funny story. If I can tell you really quickly, we just had um, at Hubbard Street, you know, we have a new artistic director, mm -hmm. Linda Denise fisher Harrell, who was just named a couple months ago. And we are, um, we held an open Zoom audition and we had 900 people wow. register. <laughs> <laughs> what? Isn't that bonkers? That it's is bonkers. crazy. Yeah. Um, we had 900 people audition or register. I think that not everybody showed up, but I mean, definitely over 800 people oh, showed up. We held oh. six different classes, um, with like, you know, mixed, um, like a hybrid technique class, mm -hmm. um, and had 150 people per class. And that was really, I mean, you talk about like, you know, like the electricity and the feelings that you feel like in the right. studio and how, um, how that is just so much easier to read. So then you're, right. we're doing it over zoom okay. and there are people who can actually like penetrate the, this like Green. two to the zoom sphere, the zoom sphere. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, there's some people who are like, you know, can like react and like their energy bounces back. And then there are other people who it really like wow. um, permeates that. So I, yeah, I just, um, I think that's, it was, it was really incredible, really crazy. And I, honestly can't believe that we did that <laughs> how many zoom screens is that 150 people you have to like keep switching uh, to the next zoom it was, screen to it see was them. hard I we bet. projected it onto a large tv yeah. and then we would like you know pin people right carry them down to get like a larger uh, a closer look that's wild yeah that is 2021, am I right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so, doesn't it make you feel like superhuman, though? I mean, there's so many things, so many new things that we've all forayed into, and you're like, yeah. you know what? 
I can do anything. Yeah. And you know what? Like, also, I think, like, I wonder how many people, like, who knows? We'll never know. But that maybe caught your eye who maybe couldn't have, like, afforded to come and do an in-person audition. But because of Zoom, they were able to. And now, like, maybe they're getting a job. Like, who knows? You know, like, that's a cool part of it, too. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your career at Hubbard Street as a dancer. Um, You know, obviously, you've had a, a long career with the company. At what point were you like, oh, this is my forever place. Like, this is this is the fit. Mm. Do, we ever, <laughs> do we ever know? I think I, I don't know. <laughs> I think, you well, you, you might have the lingering, like, yeah. I mean, you're, it's, it's like grass is greener, whatever. Yeah. Like, you always, like, have a little bit like, well, what if I had done this with my career? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, but, like, retro, you know, in retrospect, yeah. you can look back yeah. and be like, this was the place. Right. Um... I think that I was just trying to figure it out. So like Hubbard Street 2, that's only, usually it was like a two-year thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't get into the main company, you might try and go somewhere else. Um, and then the main company, I feel like it's so ever-evolving and like we, our repertoire is constantly changing. Um, so I think that that was a big draw because the, the challenge is, never really stop Mm -hmm. it's not you know you never really reach a point where you're like oh I've been there done that right when it's really just like you know one day you're doing like you're introduced and learning new tools from like Victor Quijada Mm -hmm. and then another day (laughs) you're learning new tools from Brian Brooks Mm -hmm. and um I think that like there are so many so many different voices to try to try to learn and to and um to, to, to try and I don't, you just you can only really tackle them you know I mean right. I don't think you're ever going to be able to be like oh I'm an ex- I'm such an expert at that like right. you're really just like I just want to try it on and see what mm-hmm. this looks like what does this feel like and um yeah so I think that that was just a really major thing for me because it was never like oh this is like the you know seventh year that we're doing this certain piece it was always always different right. you know another aspect of it too would be that, like, as I said before, you know, we are a very strong family here at Hubbard Street. And I think that there is a really um, great support system that, um, you know, I was allowed to kind of come in and be myself and um, evolve at my own pace and that sort of thing. Um, Another factor would be just life balance. Um, I had actually met my now husband. I met him when I was my first it was my first year in Chicago mm-hmm. when I was with Hubbard Street too and you know and that kind of like evolving relationship of figuring out what that is I think is also that life balance thing right and so you know when once big decisions like even if you are thinking about it like you know do I want to maybe try to go to Europe and figure something right. else out I mean there are a lot more um, factors mm-hmm. to consider sure. at some point right mm-hmm so yeah. things kind of started falling into place once you yeah. arrived there. I understand yeah. that. I'm very much like a domestic cat now. I'm <laughs> 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 a home. We actually just like have like planted our garden and all these things. Oh, nice. Um, so great. Yeah. So- I, sorry. Um, no, I was just thinking when you were mentioning like, oh, you never kind of got to a point where 
you looked at a season and thought like, oh, I've danced all this stuff. Like I remember when I was trying to make my decision, like, oh, am I going to retire? I sat and I looked at the next programming, the next season's programming. And I was in a good way at that point after 10 years able to say like, oh, all these like really interesting, you know, of course there were things I hadn't, but it was nice to be able to say like, I've done that. Did you feel like you kind of reached that point too? Like once you were like, where, where do I go from here? Is it time Mm -hmm. for me to retire? Yeah. There was definitely um, a desire to challenge myself maybe in a different way, not so much like physically and mentally, but mm-hmm. maybe just more like emotionally and mm-hmm. um, to try to, I don't know, expand <laughs> in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely, yeah, there's a point where, yeah, it's not like, oh, I've been there, done that. I think that some, there's something that someone told me a while back that was like, there's always going to be that next thing in the program that you were like, do I stay for that one thing? Mm -hmm. Like this one, this is really exciting to me. Do I stay for that? And if you're really, if your happiness or your fulfillment or like something lingering there is contingent upon this one piece, right? that's really iffy. And that doesn't, and you're setting yourself up for maybe, um, not get, not, not finding what you're looking for. Right. And, um, and I think that that was just something that I realized too. You know, I, I do think that there is always that next thing you're like, Oh, do I re even like revisiting something, you know, like, do right. I revisit that, that had such a strong emotional connection to me and right. became, like such an amazing point in my career and da, 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 da. Yeah. But like, is that next go around going to be going to fulfill what your memory is of it and what, right. you're, like wh- how you, how you're holding on to it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think there's always going to be that, but for me it was, it was pretty clear. And I have to say, I, I had a very fortunate career where I didn't have any long, um, I didn't have any injuries that took me out of the mm-hmm. game for too long. Right. Um, and so I, I felt, I felt happy, satisfied. And also like, it was just time to make, make room, you know, right. you can't yeah. just be somewhere forever just cause you can. Right. right. So, uh, what was that, how did that decision involve, um, staying in the art form? Was that always something that you thought you would do? Um, what sort of considerations were you making about the next step? Um, none. (laughs) I just needed a change. Uh Um, so Glenn Edgerton, who was the artistic director at the time and also another mentor of mine, um, was I had told him the year prior, I was like, you know, I think this is my last season. And he was like, I don't, you can't go anywhere though. (laughs) And he like, the fact that he even accepted that it was my last season was really awesome because I, you know, as you transition, I think, you know, it's a multi-year decision. Right. um, So when I had finally said, like, he understood that when I said it was my last year, it was really my last year. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, it just so happened and it was really a timing thing. The Lucas Crandall, who was the um, rehearsal director before me, went back to NDT. And um, so the position was open. And I really literally like had my last show. And then it was like, you know, a weekend happened. And then I was rehearsal director. Wow. And um, I... It, yeah, it was, it wasn't anything necessarily that I was like gunning for. I have to say, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a rehearsal director someday. I'm going to be at the front of the room and, you know, mm-hmm. helping to, um, to work these, these pieces. I think it was just a natural progression. I, um, 
you know, I feel very strongly about the, the health and, um, you know, longevity of the company. I feel very strongly about the like core of the dancers. And um, yeah, I, I think it was just one of those things that happened and almost, I'm not going to say it's like reluctant, but there, there is something like, you're like, I just want, these are the things I want to do. And then with that becomes like the quote unquote, like leadership position and right. that sort of thing. And, um, and I think that that's, that's just how it happens. <laughs> so did you, so if you weren't gunning for it, then you didn't make this suggestion maybe on your own who thought like, Oh, maybe this would be right for you. Um, Glenn did. I think that, you know, when you are in the studio and you are even just like remounting works or things, you know, like there are people in the studio who, um, have the, um, kind of like who kind of step in to be like, Oh Yeah. These are the counts. Right. Hey, everyone. I think that you're here. Yeah. Oh, but I remember what the choreographer said. They said, like, our, our intention was to really just, like, you know, um, to be, like, looking into the future and looking mm -hmm. into the past or something like something like yeah. that. So there are, like, those little nuggets. And um, I think that that was just something that I probably did. Maybe. I don't know if it was annoying. <laughs> it's one of those things that I... I um, uh -huh. when you're right, you're right. You know, <laughs> you know, there are people you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good you're, because yeah, it's that's... just, we're all the same in this. Like Rebecca and I are totally, we were, we were those people too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I was, it was funny. Cause when you brought that up, I was like, I bet you she was like that. And also like, you're talking about these long-term auditions. This was like a really long-term audition to right. be in the front of the room. Like they worked with right. you, they knew you and they knew that this would be a great, spot for you to be yeah mm -hmm. yeah so what was the learning curve like for that since you just over the weekend <laughs> fell into this position it was difficult mm -hmm. I think you know because the people who are your peers are all of a sudden like you know calling you boss kind of in a you know joking way right. and you're kind of like yeah I guess I am in a way your boss um yeah it was it wasn't easy there's no handbook out there that like tells rehearsal directors or directors, you know, like what's what. Right. Um, and I think you just sort of, you know, you learn from example, you're like, okay, this is what I saw Lucas do. This is how he does it. Like, let's try this out first and then see what other um, things that can be infused or what do I see that I could do differently. That, um, and um, yeah, it's hard. I think the, the, uh, kind of emotional like personality management of it I think is a big part of what it's like to be a rehearsal director you know I mean like you're keeping the works of course and you're being the eyes and ears for the choreographer and and that sort of thing but at the same time I mean everyone is coming into the day from different places and um and to you know have people come up to you and be like, oh, by the way, oh, you know, this and this, oh, oh, I don't know if this is doing, you know, and it's like, you're like, dude, it's 930. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and so I think that there, there was that sort of, um, that learning of like managing, managing my own kind of uh, patience and understanding of that. 
And then also while needing to learn how to preserve myself, I think that that would, that's been a big learning thing as well is because, you know, as it is, as a dancer, like it's 24 seven, you know, that it's like, Mm -hmm. how do I prepare for the show? You know, it's two weeks from now, blah, 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 blah. Should I go out tonight? Should I not? And that sort of thing. I think there's always what, even if it's these small things, but there's always something that's lingering there. That's like part of, that's going to influence your decision-making as being a dancer. And then I think that that goes along with now, like, you know, when there are multiple arms to be conscious of within Mm -hmm. a day that it becomes that like you forget your, or I started to forget myself. And, um, and so, you know, the 24 seven nature of it did start to get um, very taxing. Um, And it still does, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that it continues. That's like, that's just a constant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are, those are some of the things that I've had to learn how to at least recognize, if not be able to, um, actually address them. <laughs> right. So last year in the midst of the pandemic, you got a promotion to associate artistic director. So what does this new position entail for you? How does it differ from rehearsal director? And was this something you were expecting? No, it was not. <laughs> Um, you know, the transition was all it's from what I understand, like being an associate artistic director is kind of similar to what I was already doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe that just means that the rehearsal director job, I don't, nothing is really, I've noticed like the job descriptions are not really ever very clear. I mean, you can really be putting on so many different hats and helping out so many different departments. And, um, I, so I think that like, you know, technically I have like a little bit more artistic say and right. sort of like, you know, maybe coming up with different sorts of like programs and, and projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I always felt very heard and um, respected and listened to mm-hmm. um, as rehearsal director. So I, I, I can't really say that there's like a huge difference. Right. Um, however, this past year was very different because Glenn Edgerton did, um, you know, he left in, um, what was that? June of 2020. Mm-hmm. And so I had been on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. My, I gave birth on March 12th, which was the <gasps> same day the theaters closed in Chicago. Yeah. Was that in New York also in Miami? Yeah, I think I, March 12th was the day. I'm pretty sure the day Broadway closed and everything. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. So I, I had just taken my maternity leave like two days before I went into labor and it was like, ah, anyway. Panic. <laughs> panic. Um, so, I mean, I was very fortunate because like my husband was able to be in the hospital. Like, you know, you saw the news a few weeks later oh, that it was my just hard not allowed blah 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 um so anyway I gave birth everything kind of went crazy we pivoted really quickly um I say like Jonathan Alsbury who is our artistic liaison like he's a very um he's just like really quick and connected and he is very good with technical things as well so you know he was able to help um you know start a creation we were supposed to be working with Peter Chu and um performing one of his works that coming spring or mm-hmm. yeah, spring, summer. And so he did the, you know, the really bumpy job of being the first zoom creation photographer <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right. with Hubbard street. Uh-huh. And, um, but you know, all this time I'm like at home 
just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I was just really in such awe and like kind of there, but just like, they're like, okay, I just had a baby. Mm -hmm. So then June comes around and um, I kind of, we didn't have an artistic director. I mean, the idea was that, you know, we were going to have an artistic director by the summer, at least by the start of um, the season in 2020. Mm -hmm. And because of everything that happened, that that wasn't really the case. Did you guys know he was leaving at that point or it was like a sudden thing? Um, it was, it was announced in, was it February? So it was like right pre COVID. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was a lot. And so I came back in June and then like, you know, whatever season that we had planned for 2021 was, um, out the window and we just had to really plan a new season, Mm -hmm. which, um, you know, I'm kind of proud to say we, we figured it out. I mean, it took a village. I mean, the whole team, you know, it wasn't just like artistic being like, let's do this and let's make it happen. I mean, it was really like a very collaborative thing, but um, trying to understand like, how do we make this time meaningful? Um, How do we keep everyone feeling supported, inspired and, and motivated and also like leaving space for those days that you're like, this is, I can't Mm -hmm. open up my kitchen to you. Yeah. today you know yeah. like this is not the, <laughs> this is not the jam right. so anyway so yeah so oversaw this whole um digital season that we've done in 2021 and um really again you're talking about technology like I am a very like reluctant technology person <laughs> and, <laughs> um you know learning how to do different things and um but also like yeah again creating over zoom amazing connecting to communities like dance like our fa- our dance family like locally nationally internationally um we've been offering our entire season for free on our website um and so yeah just like a lot of different ways that we're trying to connect more and to to engage more and also you know finding some sort of like peace and balance with everyone's own dealings with this whole year, COVID, Black Lives Matter, everything. Um, Tell us a little bit about the project that you're doing with Final Bow for Yellowface, our friends, Um, the 10,000 Dreams virtual festival. It's been going on all month. It is so wonderful. Tell us a little bit about it and how you got involved. Well, thank you so much, first of all, for your support. Of course. (laughs) Um, The involvement, what came very, it was like, it was just kismet. Um, so I had been sort of percolating on this, this project that Hubbard Street embarked on back in September that we called Unboxed. Mm-hmm. Um, we, are, we are calling Unboxed. Um, and we, I had been watching Fantasia with my baby boy, Cyrus. So he doesn't understand any of it. And I, was, you know, I love all of it. I was watching it. I was like, oh, this is great. I mean, there are like a lot of, not, I mean, there are a lot of problematic things with yeah. Fantasia. Not to acknowledge that not just the um, nutcracker section, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So, you know, we came to those like cute little mushrooms and I was like, uh, weird. I, I'm like so torn now, so torn. And, you know, there are things in my own slow journey of like, I, my identity, like the recognition of like who I am, my identity. Um, I was like, yeah, this is weird. 
So I was thinking about like, oh, this is going to be the year of reckoning where like companies are going to really address this. I mean, it's not a new conversation. Right. Um, and I think I was like, they have the time. I mean, the Nutcracker is not happening this year. Now it's like a whole year later that we, or it will have been a whole year that like people can really address this and, and um, dedicate the time to figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, why do, why do we have to wait for ballet companies to do mm-hmm. this? So I just was like, you know, this could be a fun project um, to just sort of take a stab at. Um, I really approached it from a very like playful kind of naive space where I was like, let's, you know, get um, some really awesome Chinese American and Chinese choreographers in here. We'll do like workshops so they'll get to know each other, get a little bit more involved in like their process and their movement, um, their movement practice. And and then also tackle this like one minute variation, like very, I felt almost like, oh, this is totally inconsequential, but it's a really great vehicle to like excuse to have like a three day workshop with these choreographers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we did it. And um, I felt like after the very first process that we had with Inue um, from YYDC, um, her variation, (laughs) her take on the Chinese tea, we, I was, we were watching it and I had, there was like our company manager, Abby was on the zoom also checking out. And she was like texting me. She was like, emoji, mind blown. Uh And I was like, yeah, because the music is so triggering and you know, all of that stuff. Like I was like, there is something here Mm -hmm. and sort of like throughout all of this, um, you know, kind of research and and whatnot, I had come across um, Phil Chan's book Mm -hmm. and had, had ordered it, started reading it. And Ed, Ed Liang also had mentioned Phil to me and he was like, I think that you two would really hit it off. Like, you know, this is his work. This is what he does. And mm-hmm. I think that would be really amazing if, if you have a conversation. And um, so like I cold email or like filled out like the application <laughs> on, <laughs> on Yellow Faces uh-huh. uh, website. Amazing. And it was really like, I wrote like a whole long email within that because I didn't have his personal email address or anything. Right. I was just sort of like, Hi, Phil. My name is <laughs> Jessica. We're doing this project. And he and I was I was like, oh, this is not going to turn into anything. Oh no, he's um, on it. Really. I would say not more than five minutes passed. And he wrote me back and was like, Yes, let's meet on Zoom. I'm free, oh, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to get together? And I was uh-huh. just like, yeah! um, so I felt very, I was really excited. I was like, okay, this is cool. So I got to meet Phil over zoom, just chatted and, um, hit it off. I mean, mm-hmm. Phil's, as you know, incredible. And, yeah. um, so, you know, and I didn't even have to like give him like a huge pitch or anything like that. He was like, we're on board mm-hmm. and this is really moving towards, you know, final bows kind of next phases of like right. supporting people who are behind the scenes, supporting choreographers and other, creatives who like, you know, help produce work. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so that's what happened there. And then kind of like he had been talking about 10,000 dreams and was like, yeah, Gina and I want to, you know, do this feature in May with um, Asian choreographers, da, 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 da. And he was like, well, do you want to help? And, you know, I think like <laughs> joking with Phil, like, I don't think I really knew what I was getting myself in- into. I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. Why not? You know? And we, he is just like a force, you know, he gave me the, a lot of like confidence, I guess, to like use my voice, Mm -hmm. um, which is a special, special gift. Thank you, Phil. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so we, 
we just put our, you know, our resources together and through a lot of emails and, um, and pr helped produce this thing. And, um, I think it's really wonderful. I, I find like, I would never say that, like, you know, prior to this year, like I, I've never been like a active advocate. I think mm -hmm. that I'm like an advocate in my own way and, you know, and kind of more person to person things, but yeah. I think that this is something that has given me, um, just, yeah, a little bit more, a little more fire. Yeah. Right. How, you know, I think that's interesting. Like a lot of us, you know, that I think that applies to so many people. Like I'm not, a, I would say that about myself. I'm not an active advocate for, you know, queer people in the way that I see other um, dancers, like what our friend Adriana is doing is so amazing. But um, like, you know, being firstly a woman and then also an Asian American, like those are two things of the dance world. We don't have enough of those voices. Um, like, how does it, how do you find this mix between being like, you're, you're you, you know, you want to be, you know, respected for what your own individual talents are, but you also like are representative of something that, mm -hmm. um, you know, the dance world needs more of. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, it's like, it's so interesting. It's like, you want to, it is like, you want to be authentically you. And so mm -hmm. it's hard to pinpoint and be like, Oh, this is because of this. And that's because of that. And these are, mm -hmm. this is why I'm, am the way I am when they're really all just so blended. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would say that I never, it had been brought up to me, like in the past, I would say of like, you know, dancers, like being, you know, fans or something. And that, and I didn't, I guess I just was really reluctant to say that it's like, oh, because I'm, you know, because I look a certain way and mm -hmm. this is like um, a good role model and representation. Right. But now, yeah, I just, I feel so, honestly, I feel like really stupid and kind of, a sh you know, like kind of ashamed well, to be like, those are things that I kind of like, it's not like I pushed them aside or, or like mm -hmm. didn't honor it, but I think that there is something that you're just sort of like, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, I look this way and I'm a dancer and um, you kind of think that you're going about your life the way that you would anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, it's, now I, I mean, I do feel differently about that. I, I do think that it, I mean, I know it's very important to have representation, mm -hmm. um, you know, in front and behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a funny thing to like learn that about yourself and to make those realizations. Mm -hmm. Did, did and, you ever um, feel like this is, cause I've heard like with Misty, I mean, some of the things people say about that I've heard people say about Misty are just like, you know, blatantly racist. And mm -hmm. like, was that ever like an issue where you were just like, maybe I don't want to lean into that because then people will be like, oh, she's playing some sort of card. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, the people just like on Valley Alert, which is a very toxic <laughs> community, <laughs> but like, you know, they'll just like, instead of being like, it's so beautiful that people like, people see themselves in Misty and then come to the ballet. It's like, well, you know, she would only have, you know, she, this is a race card. This is a race thing. Like, was yeah. that ever part of what maybe held you back from that? Yeah. And thinking about it, it's <clears throat> totally plausible. Mm -hmm. I think that there is, you know, with the idea of being, um, 
what is it? Just like a hard worker, right. somebody, you know, somebody who, oh, because they're, because they're Asian, they have a certain different kind of like grace and, you know, whatever it is to the, to like their movement mm-hmm. and saying that it's because, um, because I'm Chinese to me, like being graceful is like everyone I see, there's so many people who are graceful <laughs> who are not Chinese, you know, and I, I felt like those, those are things that you're like, that is just a stereotype. And like, right. you want me to be like the quiet, graceful dancer who is something <clears throat> really just like seen and not heard. Right. Um, and so I'm sure that there was part of that, that I'm learning to unpack as they right. say, yes. <laughs> um, you know, as I'm, as I'm going through my, my own journey of self-discovery, but um, yeah. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. It was so great to talk with you. We're loving the festival. We know you have to run and have a meeting regarding the festival. So (laughs) we're going to go ahead and let you go. But we hope that all of our listeners are tuning in and following the great work that you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Jessica. Appreciate it.